Episode 168. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Hamlet with me, your host, Connor Hanrity. We stopped last time in the middle of this little scene between Hamlet and Osric. The uppity courtier has been trying to get Hamlet's attention, trying to relay a message from the king. Hamlet interrupted to remind him, since he's obviously someone who enjoys the various manners of court, that he should put his hat back on. And then Osric tries to cover this gaffe by explaining that he was feeling hot. So Hamlet contradicts, saying that it's actually quite cold. And now Osric has to pivot, since the Grand Prince is surely always right, and agree with him yet again. So now he says, It is indifferent cold, my lord, indeed. From Osric's perspective, it's not an enviable position to be in, trying to keep the mad prince Hamlet from another outburst. I'm sure he thinks he's doing a great job going along with whatever Hamlet says. Here he's saying it's at least somewhat cold, indifferent cold. Hamlet has him in his sights and clearly plans to make him suffer a little bit more and contradicts him again. He says... But yet, methinks, it is very sultry and hot for my complexion. As far as he's concerned, it is hot. But only because Osric just said it was cold. Having just proclaimed that he kept his hat off because he felt hot in the first place. It is very sultry, he's saying. Surely far too hot to be wearing a hat. At least for his complexion. And, of course, Osric has to pivot and placate again, increasingly eager to try to deliver his message and get out of here. And so he must now say it's hot and sultry again. Exceedingly, my lord, it is very sultry, as twere, I cannot tell how. Some editions lay this line out as if it's an interruption. Osric doesn't want Hamlet to go any further away from his message. So yes, he's saying, it's exceedingly sultry after all. Perhaps he's about to describe just how hot and sultry it is, but he runs out of steam and ideas, and all he can say is, I cannot tell how. He continues nonetheless. But, my lord, his majesty bade me to signify to you that he has laid a great wager on your head. Sir, this is the matter. He's come to let Hamlet know that Claudius has placed a great bet on Hamlet's head. We've heard the king plotting with Laertes already about the fencing and the poison and so on. Now Osric is here to push the plot forward. But he's only got this much out of his mouth before Hamlet interrupts him yet again. I beseech you, remember... Hamlet's really just teasing him now, insisting that he put the hat back on his head... In this sultry and rather hostile environment, you can see how Osric gets a little hot under the collar, but he tries to continue anyway. Nay, my good lord, for mine ease in good faith. Please, my lord, he's saying, if you don't mind, it'd be easier for me if I keep it off all the same. And now he gets to the bones of the message. Sir, here is newly come to court Laertes, Believe me, an absolute gentleman, full of most excellent differences, of very soft society and great showing. Indeed, to speak feelingly of him, he is the card or calendar of gentry, for you shall find in him the continent of what part a gentleman would see. 
why Osric feels the need to tell Hamlet that Laertes is back at court is anyone's guess. By now, surely everyone at court will have heard the gossip about the scandalous brawl between the pair of them during Ophelia's burial. A fight like that is outrageous, even within the world of a Shakespearean tragedy, or a murderous court like Elsinore. But Osric has this rambling, flowery description of all of Laertes' qualities, and bear in mind Laertes and Hamlet grew up together, so Hamlet absolutely knows him. But Osric describes him nonetheless. He's an absolute gentleman. He's full of the most excellent differences. So he's got a variety of great features. Osric might wind up a used car salesman if he survives this act of the play. Laertes, he says, is of very soft society and great showing. Apparently, the young man is charming company, soft society, and great showing. He's good-looking to boot. To be honest, or speak feelingly of him, He's the card or calendar of gentry. So he's a poster boy for what a gentleman should be. He's like a map guiding you to all the best features of what a gentleman should have. Indeed, he contains every part that should constitute a gentleman. The word continent here means a container, something that contains, continent, all these excellent qualities. It also extends the visual image of this map, card or calendar, in some, Laertes is little short of a superhero. Osric's flowery description is all completely unnecessary, but it is a fun mockery of the kind of flowery language that was considered essential to a gentleman's education and bearing. Gentlemanly behaviour had become tremendously fashionable across Europe in the second half of the 16th century, in no small part thanks to a book by Baldassare Castiglione called The Book of the Courtier or, in some translations, The Book of the Gentleman. It's an amazingly influential book, discussing a great variety of skills and virtues that the modern gentleman should master. What poor Osric seems to have overlooked is the subtlest, but most important of these virtues, that of sprezzatura, the ability to carry all these skills without being heavy-handed, a try-hard, or a show-off. Now, personally, I have to confess that a great number of students and opera singers that I've worked with will, I hope, smile if they hear me talking about sprezzatura here. We did a lot of work when performing several operas by Monteverdi, the Italian composer, to incorporate this kind of effortless elegance and mastery to the work we did together. But back to Denmark and to Osric. There's no doubt that Shakespeare, and by extension Hamlet, would have read the Book of the Courtier. By the sound of it, however, Osric did the Renaissance equivalent of having someone digest the work into a 15-minute audiobook and missed the point. And so now Hamlet answers him with equally flowery but rather sharper language. So Hamlet says, Sir, his definement suffers no perdition in you, though I know to divide him inventorially would dizzy the arithmetic of memory, and yet but your neither, in respect of his quick sale. But in the verity of extolment I take him to be a soul of great article, and his infusion of such dearth and rareness as, to make true diction of him, his semblable is his mirror, and who else would trace him? His umbrage, nothing more." Hamlet's language is deliberately fussy here, because he's mocking Osric. 
It sounds silly for him to use such laboured words and extravagant phrases, but this is the point. Sir, he says, Laertes' fine qualities are in no way reduced by your having described them thus. Of course, to list them all individually, or divide them into lists, or add them up, would, he mocks, dizzy the arithmetic of memory. It would make your head explode, basically. We get it. Laertes has qualities beyond counting, or arithmetic. And even then, if we did try to document them, we'd be left so far in his wake. He's likening them now to a simple ship, far outdone by Laertes' quick sail. But in the truth of all this praise, the verity of extolment, Hamlet agrees that Laertes is a great soul, a soul of great article, and he's made up of such rare and unusual qualities that really he can only find his equal if he looks in a mirror. His infusion of such dearth and rareness as, to make true diction of his, his semblable is his mirror. His only rival, really, is his shadow. Who else would trace him but his umbrage, nothing more? Bear in mind, none of these words are here for the sake of rhythm or metre. Hamlet is speaking in prose, so every one of these elaborate words is a little bit of a dig at Osric. It's worth noting that Shakespeare actually made up some words for this little speech for Hamlet. Definement and extolment don't appear to have been used at any point before their appearance here. Why use a simple word when a complicated one will suffice? Hamlet is mocking Osric's notions and his fussy observance of courtly manners. There's something else interesting that happens here too. We've had shadowy images, hints and references for quite some time now, encouraging us to see Hamlet and Laertes as mirrors or foils for each other. Here Hamlet seems to take the image and wink at us. He's saying that Laertes, for all this fancy talk, has no rivals except for his mirror image. And that, as we've been conditioned to imagine, is Hamlet. So the showdown will have to happen sometime soon. You'd almost start to feel sorry for Osric in his efforts to get the message across, but he isn't quite there yet. We'll leave it here for now and save his follow-up attempts for the next episode. Thank you, as always, for tuning in, and do be sure to visit thehamletpodcast.com for show notes, bonus episodes, and a great variety of extra features, and I'll be sure to put some more details of that fabulous book of the courtier up there for you too. I'm always very grateful for your support. It does my heart good every week to see people tuning in to this little podcast from all over the world. Have a lovely week, and I'll speak to you next time.